Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Parkscope on Professional Podcast Hour. My name is Joe, and I'm currently quitting applications out of my dock. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Slack. Let's quit out of... No, we'll keep that open. Oh, so uh, welcome to today's episode. Uh, we got a very special guest for you. We got uh, Danny. Danny, how are you doing? Are, are we still calling you the average Disney? Is that just kind uh, of like a pause right now? What's going on? <laughs> You can call me that. Yeah, I think that's what I go by on Twitter. But yeah, the show, uh, I don't know, the show, maybe it'll get a comeback soon. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, it, can, it needs to come back. I, I do miss the show. It's, you know, it's pretty solid. So yeah, you, you need to work on that. Come on, chop, chop, get back this to it. This is my second uh, podcast recording in two or three weeks. So like maybe you and my buddy Will are just going to get me back out of the, you know, D- doldrums of not recording and get back in the game so kicking, this is a good warm-up kicking and screaming from the depths <laughs> no that was me going on to velocicoaster kicking and screaming that ah. <laughs> that was two days ago yeah uh let's see uh yeah sorry i'm just pulling up news and trying to get everything going because we got so much news to cover everyone you have no idea what's going on let's start off uh let's start off with um uh panzerino shall we Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's start off. Uh, TechCrunch did a fantastic article on April 23rd about Project Kiwi, which is Disney, uh, Walt Disney Imagineering's, I believe it's their research and development team. Or, yeah, Imagine- yes. Walt Disney Imagineering R&D Incorporated. Interesting its own incorporation. Anyways. <laughs> so, they have created a, a brand new walk-around figure that is Baby Groot. And it's basically a bipedal walking around figure that's maybe, what, two feet tall, you would say? Yeah, life size for Baby Groot. Yeah, a totally, uh, yeah, bipedal robot that can walk around and interact and all sorts of things. And and, uh, they did this whole entire crazy article on it. Um, Really cool video. Uh, Fun to see people running around trying to make sure it doesn't fall over too hard. That's always kind of my favorite. (laughs) My favorite stuff from it. The um, insurance uh, payments alone on that thing, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's priceless. That's that's yeah. the cost of it. It's priceless. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks really, really cool. So, Danny, what are your thoughts on it? Um, it is kind of mind-boggling to me that Disney loves to show off this incredible... Which, first, let me say, don't get me wrong. This is unbelievable technology. There's only like a single tiny little cable that leaves his back foot and like goes back to like a to a control unit mm-hmm. and you just like look at the progress remember when um i say remember as though i was alive in the 80s when american adventure came out but how even to this day people are like oh my god ben franklin's climbing stairs this is just bonkers technology and don't get me wrong it was and still is very impressive but man now there is a real life two foot tall baby groot it is really really impressive my only thing that i find so funny is they didn't show this off in a ride or a show. It's not like they were like, here's this cool technology that is bringing X to life. They were like, we'll show you in this one moment. And then, I don't know, maybe eventually it'll see the light of day with the public. Who knows? It's, uh, I mean, considering that in the article, it's positioned underneath the uh, infamous uh, flying dinosaur from the new Fantasyland opening. Ugh. Um, I like, so it's an incredible figure. It's wonderful. I think it looks amazing. The 
confidence interval I have on this thing actually being deployed in the parks is incredibly low. <laughs> um, <laughs> At least anytime soon, right? I Well, here's the thing. Like, how much of this stuff gets, you know, developed in in this R&D group, which I actually don't know how old it is. Because it sounds like it's a relatively new group. Um, at least, you know, since I, I believe before Pandora opened, but like not maybe like a decade old, I mean, compared to the rest of Imagineering. But like if you look at what they have and what they've done, how much of it has actually appeared in the parks? Like do we have the walkways that you walk on it and it interacts with you like in Pandora? Do we have the plants that would react to your touch? Do we have the Wally? Oh fi- God, throwback. Do- totally yeah. forgot about that. Oh, yeah, exactly. What about the <laughs> what about the Wally figure? You know, the Wally uh, mm-hmm. robot that would go around. What about the flying dinosaur that this is cl- you know that they clearly had hanging up here? What about the 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 you know the the Star Wars um, interactive droids? And what about the Star Wars? uh drones that they had at the launch event that they used twice you know like we can just keep going on and on and on and on about this and like i understand like you know yo sometimes you just gotta invent some cool stuff but like it's the the tr- i i think my problem is like people going well this is going to appear in the parks and it's sort of like well i i just don't see that happening quite yet especially you know if what we're looking at is something like you know this i don't know if this is it but but I think another thing that was brought up in the article is like you know what they discover from doing this work gets done in other installations. So yeah, while no, no good idea ever dies, right? yeah, well, well, or not even never dies, but it's sort of like one of those things where it's like, sure, this doesn't get you know put into the parks as a walk around figure, but at what point does, um, you know, like d- d- does some of the the learned lessons get put into a more advanced figure like you you don't get I, I, it's clear that you don't get from lucky the dinosaur to the navi sh- um the navi uh, shaman you know w- without lucky the dinosaur because just like you know like hey we're looking at not hydraulics we're looking at electronics now for um audio animatronics and you know what about you know our next you know generation of compliance what about the you know so it's, it's those kinds of things so i think you're not going to all of a sudden see this exact figure walking around, but I could see some of the lessons learned to be applied to more practical applications in parks, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I can see that happening. And I, how different is that from most R&D, com- uh, you know, R&D divisions of companies, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is kind of what they do. The whole idea is, okay, invest, invest, invest come up with new, you know, technologies, new ideas and throw as man, many ideas on the wall as you can and see what comes to fruition and then, you know, take your learns and whatever. But what I always find so funny about R&D sometimes is that I think it's a tricky messaging thing to get across because like you I'm staring at the picture right now of the dragon like just hanging above the <laughs> above their offices and whatever. It's an interesting thing because it's ostensibly marketing. When they bring these, like Matt Panzerino in and, at TechCrunch and say, hey, like, let's show you all this stuff. That's basically marketing. But what are you marketing? Are you marketing the actual product? Not really. So I guess what you're marketing is, look how smart our Imagineers are. Imagine, <laughs> imagine what other things they could concoct in the next, you know, five years or so. So that, you know, the next time you're trying to book a vacation, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember, like, Disney must have something really crazy up their sleeves by now, right? Or you're looking for new talent, and this is part of that cycle of of promotion. And you know, like we're, we're like one of the big stories right now 
is, you know, Pixar and how much it, you know, it's, it's kind of depressing for them that all their uh, big movies are being just sent to Disney plus. Yeah. So the question then becomes like, okay, well, is this about showing off, you know, kind of letting these people brag a little bit, you know, for their own, you know, professional sake, but also like, um, you know, getting some people to, to, uh, to apply for jobs here because, it also comes back to video game development. Like, if you work on a bunch of video game projects that none of them get released, like, what does your resume look like? <laughs> um, not, not great. So, yeah. like, so if you sh- start showing this stuff off and people can start talking about it, then, you know, it makes people happy in- in- to a certain amount. Yeah. It's something that I think about routinely is this marriage of, you know, a capitalistic structure in which there's a company trying to sell you a product and find whatever, like, won't even comment on that it's just you have that aspect of things but then with so many of the projects that you and i are interested in and and all your listeners are as well you also marry in art and this can be true of theme parks like you said video games film like with pixar etc 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 we all view it as art right because it is and you know there's creativity and there's lots of countless people that are like working together to make this incredible product but then Mm -hmm. oh yeah there's a business angle and it's almost like sometimes the two are just fighting against each other Mm -hmm. because from a business perspective did bob chapik think that sending luca straight to disney plus was a easy sell i'm sure some finance manager gave him a whole bunch of spreadsheets and reasons as to why that made sense but then like you said you stop and think about the artists and the creative people that worked on it and it's like man what a what a gut punch to say that i i pumped three or four years of my life into this you know work of art and now i don't know the the wind in the sails gets taken out of it because they're not going to be showing up in a movie theater mm-hmm. yeah exactly so any, anything else with um kiwi um not i don't know it's <laughs> i just want to see more it, and this sounds so greedy of me to see this amazing piece of technology but i just my brain starts going to well what does this actually mean like you had pointed out the different types of you know technologies that they might learn man, what's our next AA or what's our next animatronic we're going to get if this is truly some of the tech that they've got? So the future's bright. If this is any indication, they've got some incredible tech on their hands. Mm-hmm. I do wonder um, when Avengers uh, – I guess we could also talk about Avengers Campus a little bit here too because they've shown off a, a little bit more of it. Um, you know, how is that Spider-Man figure actually going to be there? Is that something that's going to be nightly? Is that something that's going to be daily? Is that something that's going to be in a show? Is it something that's just going to appear for the media day and it's going to be really cool and we'll never see it again? You know, like, are we going to, are we going to see the, the, uh, the video of the figure three, three months from now swinging totally miss and face plant and just burst into a thousand pieces? <laughs> You know, in the like, in on like, in like, someone's recording it behind the scenes or something, and it gets out on TikTok or something. You know, like, what is that figure? And I think maybe that can answer where Project Kiwi's going because, you know, here's a highly hi- another highly hyped figure that was you know discussed and shown off a lot, and if it is just used for a media day, it's kind of hard to say that Kiwi's going to be anything more than that. You know. Yeah, the Spider-Man figure is very 
I get nervous with it because Spider-Man is like my favorite Marvel superhero. I'm mm-hmm. so like when I saw the concept art, I was so excited. And of course, we all saw Spider-Man swinging in the concept art. We're like, That's clearly an artistic <laughs> like stretch that they're doing there. That is not actually going to happen until we saw the Imagineering story and started getting some ideas. I don't know. Maybe could they do this? And of course, lo and behold, they are. I. <laughs> There's a part of me that just wants to believe everything and be gullible and be like, oh, no, they're going to be he's going to be swinging like every 10 minutes. That's going to be their, you know, dragon inside Diagon Alley blowing fire. Instead, it's just mm-hmm. going to be Spider-Man swings up and you're like, oh, whoa, look at that. You caught him. I I hope that's what it is. I really, really hope. But then obviously I'm trying to be realistic and thinking maybe it's once an hour, twice an hour, maybe like. And then, of course, the worst case scenario is, like you said, it's media. I don't think it's that. I think the idea of it being media would be I would crack up. That would be laughably rude (laughs) for them to. They made a whole marketing video to be like, Spider-Man will be flying through Avengers campus. But they they didn't give that to media. They gave that to the world. So I'm assuming it will be real in some capacity. My only real question is the frequency in which it's going to happen. Like, is it going to be like. Sort of like how uh, Cars Land gets, you know, lit up at night. Is this going to be the thing that happens mm. once, once, once a day? Is this going to happen on the half hour, on the hour? Well, how big is that? Um, I don't know enough about the the building, like of Avengers Campus, but how big is the area in front of the Web Industries building? Because oh, if it is something that people are going to be hyped about, what are you going to fit a crowd there? <laughs> like. Just, just have him swing from Disneyland to California Adventure across the Esplanade. <laughs> That's what they that should do. That face plant will be face planting right on, onto somebody else in that case. Yeah, just... Uh, I am looking and Google Maps does not have an updated view of Avengers ah, Campus. Damn. Unfortunately. Um, if it's anything... I've, I've, I'm not even going to guess. It's. I have no idea. <laughs> maybe maybe this is like a, like a pizza bet we make for each other or a beer bet. Like... <laughs> I'm going to guess four times an hour and then you can either go over or under <laughs> and then four times wins, an hour. I, how about four how times many, an hour? Four times an hour. I'm going under on that. Okay. That that's 15 minutes. That's every 15 minutes every single day. Yeah. What of it? It's getting thrown into a net, right? And the, all they're really doing is just taking it and swinging it up there. It's, it's like they're catapulting. <laughs> a robot like how many i don't know that doesn't seem too crazy i mean then you gotta get it reset up and then you have to get it you know they have to do the checks and then uh, i guess that's true i mean i could see it every hour i could see it like a clock i could see it four times a day oh, i just four times a day would be sad i would be very sad if it's that low <laughs> I, I i mean but like is it would that be too sad because like I mean, it's not like uh, it's not like Frozen at the Hyperion is showing twenty times a day. It's showing no, like four or five. Like, I guess they then have to like turn it into a show. I, I guess what I'm picturing is more atmospheric, like the dragon, mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh hey, you're just here, and then bam, something happens, and you're like, wow, look how cool that is. Maybe you know, of course, maybe they give you some warning, like with a musical cue or something, like <laughs> oh look. Look in the sky or whatever. Attention, boys and girls. In just 15 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> due to lower light conditions. But, okay, so let's say they build it up and they're like three times a day and then everyone stands there. And then you see this animatronic fly by and it'll be in the sky for all of uh, seconds, like four seconds. And then mm-hmm. people are going to be like, I waited 20 minutes to see that. <laughs> that's. I feel like that's a pretty weird 
energy. I mean, it is. I'm not going to argue. I just don't know how you do it any other way. I mean, that, I guess maybe that's sort of the problem. It's like, what? how do you do this in a way that's for a theme park? Because, I mean, it's a cool, awesome concept, but like, it, it's a cool, awesome concept for like a stage musical. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if, if Turn Off the Dark was still a thing... <laughs> And don't invoke its name. <laughs> and you know, it was running eight shows a week, you know, eight or nine shows a week. Hell yeah. yeah here you go. Boom. That's, that's what, of course it would, you know, I totally see how this would work. But like, otherwise it's like, I don't know, man. It's, that's kind of rough. You know, I've considered, and I think I've talked about this on my show plenty of times, this whole idea, and I have no insider knowledge about this. I could be completely off base, but just as an outsider looking in sometimes, it feels as though Imagineering doesn't really like to talk to operations (laughs) within Disney. Yeah. And they're just like, here's a great idea. You're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And then they get on stage and they announce this thing at D23. And then someone goes, hi, I run the park. Or hi, I run areas in a park can someone explain to me how that's actually going to happen and they're like oh i don't know we'll we'll figure it out (laughs) it it kind of reminds me of how when they did all the disneyland 50th anniversary fireworks Mm -hmm. and they basically designed the whole show to only be seen from the hub of disneyland yeah (laughs) and it's like what are you doing and then that's that it's that point where they literally had to be fused at the hip with Steve Davison. And it's like, no, when you're doing this, you're also going to be doing projection mapping on every single like large building front we have in this park in addition <laughs> to this because we can't show it anywhere else. You know, that's how you get Mickey's Mixed Magic. That's how you get, you know, all these other things. I mean, I mean, but also like how many, how many people in Imagineering actually have worked in the parks? Like uh, in, in some capacity, like loading people into ride vehicles. Like, and by that, I don't mean, like uh, industrial engineer, I mean, I'm talking about the high in the sky, you know, the high, you know, like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to build this crazy great example of an attraction and it's going to be wonderful and everyone's going to love us. It's like, how many of those people have actually like stapled someone into like a ride vehicle? How many of those people have actually like loaded California screaming? Because it does, or it feels like those people like did a Disney World vacation in Orlando in July <laughs> without fast <passport, laughs> stood in line <laughs> yeah exactly like how like like what do you what what are your experiences with the parks and and but it also i mean it comes also back i mean Universal's not excused for this like can you please announce any of the of the slides in volcano bay for me uh <laughs> um you know the, or like do anything in volcano bay because that was a whole mess too but like that, that's kind of the thing It's like, you know, you got to actually know how to use, excuse me, how to run these parks. No, I agree. I, and I'll say without naming them, I do, I do have friends who are Imagineers that I met when I was working at Disney. So Mm -hmm. I know that they, some people were skippers, some people just worked like operations and stuff, but I don't know how big Imagineering is, you know, like they're still there and they're still Imagineers, but, or I think they are. (laughs) Well, I hope they are. I hope, let me put this way. We hope they are. We hope they are. Um, but shy of that, like they're there. I just don't know what the proportions are because there are it's I'm trying not to dunk on Disney too much or like you said, Universal, too. But it's so funny because you'll be like, whoa, this incredible attraction that just knocked my socks off technologically, thematically. They thought of everything. But then there's like an Achilles heel moment where you go, you didn't put a bathroom in the queue or or even better yet. 
how last year, two years ago, God, when Rise of the Resistance was opening and one of the big exciting things that one of the Imagineers had said, he was like, I'm so proud that I finally convinced someone to put a bench in the queue. And we themed it, but like there are places to sit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you just now thought of this? <laughs> like, Or not, not, maybe not that Imagineering thought of it because I'm sure they, it sounds like he was saying he's been trying for a while, but it's like, God, all of these years, you people really don't go to the parks, do you? <laughs> Or at least, you know, without a VIP tour guide. Yeah, I, but I, I mean, also on the same, like on the on the flip side, like when you're talking about ops and a, and a and a line that always moves, the last thing you want is benches. Yeah, that's so true. Like, so like, I could see it being we need to reconsider how we do queues because this is the standby line, and the standby line we know is going to move slower than the fast pass line. Which you know, I'm going to bet fast pass line no benches. You know, standby queue oh, all yeah. the benches. That's that's my guess. But also like if. Okay, so they put benches in the queue. So where are all those benches in uh, Smuggler's Run? <laughs> you know, like it's like they're they're not there, and and that's mm-hmm. the one I wait. That's the one I actually wait an hour for, not you know, not not uh, Rise of Resistance. But anyways, anywho, yeah, we're we're veering off, but yeah, no, we're, I, we're, um, we're veering off real bad. <laughs> I'm very excited to see Spider Man in real life whenever I eventually uh, go to Disneyland, Who which knows is when. now open again. Yes, it right is. That. Yay. <laughs> oh. It is such a weird feeling. So, I mean, for those of you at home that don't know, I'm an Orlando local. I'm one of those people. And, you know, we all went through the rigmarole back in July of the parks opening, or I guess Universal opened up in June. And I'll fully admit, this is kind of when my show stopped and took a very long hiatus because I was like, I don't even know how to talk about this. It was such a contentious point. And depressing. Like, it's yeah. just depressing. Should they be open? Shouldn't they be open? And back then, we did not have a vaccine. We did not have any end in sight. So it did kind of feel weird. We didn't really know how, you know, uh, safe being outdoors was. So even then, I remember being at the park with a mask on outdoors and still feeling a bit scared. So when we first went to both Universal in June and then Disney in July, It was a weird feeling because I was like, yay, being out of my own house and yay, being in a theme park. But also, am I doing a wrong thing? Like, it was a very melancholy mixed bag in terms of emotions uh, going to the parks. Whereas I'm so jealous of all. Don't get me wrong. It sucks that Disneyland has not been opened up until this point. But the the euphoria (laughs) that West Coast people have been experiencing, like, it's it's so awesome to see. I love seeing how excited people are to the point of tears like i totally get it after a 13 months of this it must feel like like a high it's a relief you know mm-hmm. it's just it's even if you're not like for me like i got my second shot friday felt like shit on saturday <laughs> um yeah, by the way, if you're getting your second shot, just get some Pedialytes and like a pint of ice cream. Thank me later. <laughs> oh, I didn't do the pint of ice cream. That would have yes. been so good. Right? Damn it. Yeah, exactly. Like I bought all the Pedialytes. Like I got some M&Ms. I was like – and then I just got like a little bit of a fever and I'm like, man, I would kill someone for ice cream right now. Oh, it's like just like, you know, I just want some like Cherry Garcia or something right now. It would be Damn, so good. Damn, that is some good advice. Yeah. We just got some cinnamon checks, goldfish and – uh some Tylenol. <laughs> yeah, Tylenol. You definitely want Tylenol because that's not immunosuppressant. So yep. it just it just cuts the fever a little bit. Anyways, uh, but yeah, it's it's just like it's it, because of the second shot. Now I'm like, it's not like I'm like euphoric and it's not like the guy just 
you know, stabbed me and I got the little twinge in my shoulder and I started crying <laughs> as, as he gives me my $5 Walgreens <laughs> certificate thing. It's it's more like, you know, like I just go into work today. I'm like, fuck, I just feel a little bit better, you know, a little more relieved, you know. And, you know, you know, um, and Governor Wolf is tweeting out that, you know, over 50% of Pennsylvanians now have at least one shot. And it's just like, yeah, this is oh, great. Congratulations. That yeah. is incredible. That's yeah. a good number. Yeah. So it's just like things are doing better and it just feels better. And, you know, like it's just getting better. And I think for you, and I, I understand like, you know, 30, 20s, 30s people walking into Disneyland crying is a, um, it, it's kind of a thing. It's, it's weird. <laughs> like it's weird. Even as a Disneyland fan, it's still kind of weird, and I'm like, okay, that's not me, and I'm not that kind of person to do that. But like, I can totally see how, you know, it's just it's just one of those weights lifted that you just don't have to think about or worry about, or or we don't necessarily know their whole story. Like, what happens if like they worked at the parks and they got laid off, and now they got right. you know a, de- a desk job, and you know they didn't know when they'd be going back next, and. But some, you know, asshole on Twitter is like, oh, they're crying. So, yeah. It, <laughs> and so much of that, I feel, is getting conflated in the idea that it is just Disneyland and that it's, you know, childless millennials and, and uh, childless millennials and Disney adults that are just crying over the fact that it's mm-hmm. Disney. And don't get me wrong. There is certainly an emotional attachment to Disney at play here. But there is such a huge part of this that is also just, hey, this is a huge signifying factor that we are on the way back to normal. It is it's a whole grab bag of emotions. And the biggest mm-hmm. one I think is like you said, this weird feeling of, Hey, I am vaccinated. I feel safer. There's no longer this, uh, you know, huge weight on my shoulders as far as, you know, getting sick or spreading the disease to others. Um, it just also so happens to be paired with the fact that a theme park has been closed for 13 months. So mm-hmm. I get it again. I don't think that would have been me, but that's okay. Like whatever, like, have fun at Disneyland. I wish I could be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I was there. I'm not gonna lie. Sounds awesome. I want to go. <laughs> right. Yeah, and like I, and like I would have taken off work. I would have gotten those t- tickets. I would have waited 13 hours mm-hmm. for day of tickets to get it. I would have gone. I would have done all the all the all the stupid things there. I would have done everything. I would have, you know. I mean, like I'm not hating. It's just like I, I don't know how to put it. It's just kind of a whole weird thing. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, I, Twitter, I yeah. Twitter, Twitter makes everything very interesting because people are all processing very complex situations in real time and publicly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be one thing to be on the nightly news 30 years ago and be like theme park reopens after pandemic and people were very happy and you'd be like, oh, wow, interesting story. But instead, you spend 45 minutes on Twitter and you see the same photo in your feed dozens and dozens of times and it makes you feel as though that's the only thing happening in the world and it's like i don't know man some people cried and yeah maybe not my speed to cry at a theme park but hey you know yeah just do your thing yeah do your thing and i don't know can't i can't hate on it it's just i mean i don't know it's it's i've cried in children's movies before in movie theater so like oh yeah am i oh yeah we all i mean (laughs) we, we we swing like twitter swings between the weird dichotomy of having you know Let's rag on the people crying going into Disneyland. And then Dan Olson tweets out the image of Guy Fieri as document as, uh, 
as Dr. Manhattan <laughs> oh, yeah. that, I, that I retweeted. I am tired of diners, these drive-ins. I am tired of being <laughs> caught in the tangle of their dives. Like, it's just like this weird, just, it's just, it's so crazy. I don't know. But anyway, Disneyland's open again and all that stuff. Huh. So what's our next bit of news? Let me uh, switch over back to our uh, little news slate here. Um, Disney College program starting up again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that this is, you know, hashtag breaking news. I feel like this is like hours old. Yeah. And honestly, I am surprised. I thought we would be seeing 2022, not 2021. Uh, yeah, I don't know, because I agree that had you asked me yesterday, I would have been like, I don't know, man, that's a lot of people. Do they really want to invite all those, you know, college kids back into Orlando? But the more and more I think about it. Man, the college program is some cheap labor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really, really is. Well, and also they have that brand new, you know, Flamingo Crossing oh, area yeah. place that costs a shit ton of money. They didn't that, spend all that money for nothing. Yeah, and that's just sitting totally empty. So it's sort of like, well, we need to get that. We need to recoup that. We want college program to come back. And it's like, but on the other hand, it's also how many cast members are waiting for their callbacks? How many have been totally laid off? And now they're just like, oh, we're bringing the college kids back. You know, it's like. Well, shit. You know, talking about complex Twitter things, here's another one. <laughs> yeah, and I I did three. I made three tweets. I did three tweets, he says. I mm -hmm. promise you I'm not too old. Um, but I tweeted a few times about it. But you're right. There is so much nuance to this that I don't think that it captures it. Because so here's the good news about the college program coming back. It coming back signifies that Disney knows and is anticipating a large number of people coming into Orlando in the near future. So that means a lot of things. Number one, that means the economy is going to start, you know, on the uptick for Orlando, which for me as an Orlando citizen, yay, I love that. Mm -hmm. um, it also shows a um, confidence about us getting out of the pandemic, which absolutely that is good news. Um, so it's interesting seeing them make this move as a signifier as to what they see the next six months and beyond like so that is all great news and for college kids because i mean i did the college program back in the day i loved it so if i were 18 19 20 whatever right now <clears> gosh, <throat> that'd be great news for me because i'm like great i've always wanted to do it now's a good time i'm 20 years old let's go down to orlando mm -hmm. the bad thing <laughs> is that the college program is just a problematic ish um solution to their staffing problems i guess problems a bad word for it but they're staffing conundrums woes <laughs> woes yeah you need a lot of people to staff disney world and the good for from disney's perspective the good thing about the college program is they're all young they're all 20 ish years old they're all very eager they're all ready to like get disney on their resume they're all willing to do a whole lot of work and whatever it's cheap because god I remember my paychecks back when I was doing it. They take so much out for your housing. It really mm -hmm. does not cost them that much. But like you said, I've got a quite a handful of friends that were all laid off from Disney or some of them have been furloughed and have not heard a peep for like six plus months. So from a personal perspective on my end, I'm like, well, screw all those cast members, right? <laughs> like the ones that are ready and able <clears throat> and wanting to work. But instead, I guess we're going to ship in some college kids. It's just like you said earlier, there's no right answer here, I think. I think the best answer would be to call the cast members back before this. But it's not to say that I think that the college program should go away entirely. 
Mm-hmm. And but also, so it's also from another angle. Also, like no cast members can get into the parks right now. Like the whole point of of like <laughs> yeah. the whole point of like for a lot of these kids of being in the college program was like Disney World is now your little playground that you can chill in during the day. You know, like this is like some people go to Spain, some people you know <laughs> study abroad and they go to Disney World and that's not an option now. Like that's just not op- that's not being offered. So, I wonder if that's them again back to signifiers. I wonder if the idea is hey, we're by the time that these kids show up, in theory, I would assume August for most of their programs typically begin in like August, September time frame. Is that them going, hey, by then we plan on letting cast members back in, which would mean that capacity is higher, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying know. to look for a date. I don't have anything on here. It doesn't look like it. Um, yeah, they're just saying reopening um, to reapply. So who? it doesn't even sound like they have anything concrete yet hell hell, this could be 2022 for all we know like oh that's true there's no date on it and so i they say they're they're accepting applicants now they're accepting applicants on um so the one so people who were who were suspended in 2020 are being reinvited today and I think they're going to accept new applicants sometime this week. I saw something like hmm. that. So I That's, think see, I see that as soon. I see that them thinking that it's going to be before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, August. Yeah, that's very possible. I I don't know. I don't have answers. They they I, I can't even imagine. Like what will imagine if they allow the college program kids into the parks, but not the main cast members? Oh like, my god. Dude, <laughs> I don't think I'd want to record a podcast episode that week if that were to happen because I would just be very angry. <laughs> That's I think the only thing you can do with that is just post the I'm out I'm out of here SpongeBob meme. <laughs> I'm a head out. Yeah, I'm a head out. Yeah, I mean my so I've got so so many friends in my life that work for the Disney company. So like mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the experiences that they've shared with me. I would like to believe that there are enough people within the company that would hear an idea like that thrown out and be like, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. I would like to believe that. Who knows? But I'm going to assume positive intent here and think that Disney, even though they're accepting applicants, again, if the idea is that they're doing this because capacity is going to start increasing again in the relative near future, then maybe that would also mean that not only do they need CPs back, but they also need um, all of these other uh, cast members from elsewhere to come back from my understanding. And this is, you know, from what I'm hearing around through people I know is that Disney's having a hard time getting people to come back because so many people have straight up left mm-hmm. is, you know, you, how do you get laid off and then just futz around Orlando? <laughs> There's only sure so many the, jobs there, right? You go on the job hunt and if it doesn't turn out, then I don't know, you pick up and leave because you're, lives matter more than you know working you, you for. find you find a family member that you want to that will take you in or you return home because you know you've been living you've been living off of mom and dad's you know stipend or whatever and then right. you know you just you just leave i mean and then i've heard but and also what's interesting is i've heard so many people who moved to orlando but they're totally not in that skill set or job set Oh, yeah. I mean, what what would happen? And this is what was making me so mad when the layoffs and everything happened. 
let's say for example you are a um like a puppeteer in one of the like big shows like finding emo the musical mm-hmm. what the hell do you do in orlando outside of universal or sea world or whatever yeah like, where do you go (laughs) nowhere whereas let's say you you were possibly some sort of carpenter who works on pvc instruments for the past maybe 14 years and all of a sudden doesn't have a job what do you do if for all of these cast members because i've got some friends that were in like ops or like you know guest service management roles or things like that like yeah those are skills that can translate to other industries and i know that some of my friends have left and gone to other industries within orlando and that translates fine but there are some specialized jobs where it's like you can't disney you can't expect them to stay here that long because Mm -hmm. push is going to come to shove and they're going to move to insert other city that has the job that they need yeah, like, like, are you expecting the Tumblr monkeys from, uh, from the from the Festival of the Lion King to stick around? Like, not really. You right. really can't. Like, well, yeah, the puppeteers are another one. Like, I mean, there's all these weird. Like, what about all the entertainment cast members you let go? Like, how many of them have just got up and left if they weren't, you know, working already at Universal? Like, you already fired everyone at Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. Good luck getting all those stand-up comedians back. Yeah. The the confidence of, like, the brand, I guess, is where maybe they're coming from it. And they go, like, oh, we'll always have people wanting to work here. And fine, I guess, if you're a business person, that might be the right call. But, like, from a humanity point of view, especially from people that, like, gave so many years of their career to you, it's just gross. Well, <laughs> it's I, real gross. But, yeah, and, and also that comes back down to, like, you know, like, these people aren't, you know, they, they're not morons. You know, like, they know exactly what's just happened. And, like... It's probably, you know, these are small circles they walk in. So, you know, if they are looking for a job and all of a sudden Disney pops up and, you know, their small circle says, yeah, I got let go. No one gave a fuck and just let me, you know, let me peace out and, you know, don't take it unless you absolutely need it or, you know, you get paid X amount, which is definitely not what they're going to pay. You know, mm-hmm. like, like you're just going to get bad word, word of mouth also. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. And like, but, and also that kind of plays into, you know, the fifth key of inclusion and the changing of their dress policies and stuff like that. You know, you're, you, you can't just hire on a certain demographic anymore. You've got to broaden out, especially considering the fact that, you know, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of these me- mediocre kids are getting hired just because they didn't have any tattoos and they had, you know, white people there <laughs> well not anymore thankfully they can yeah. have all the tattoos they want well not well, all but <laughs> well and, 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 they, and they can also have you know you know they could have you know black hair they can have you know mm-hmm. all these things that just were not an option for you know to work at disney they now can have yeah. um which you know that's that that's wonderful and that's great and you know that's also going to help i think that's what they think is going to help them too but man it's a lot like there, there's just a lot going on there and we just, <laughs> yeah, and I would love to be wrong. Like I, I, I say this, you know, I'm critical and whatever, but like I would love to be wrong. And I would love that in the next two months, three months, whatever, all these cast members get called back. They all keep their tenure like there's no issues at all. And like, boom, like happily ever after. I would love nothing more than that. I just I'm just cautiously <laughs> waiting to see what the next moves are. Well, it's, we're, I mean, we're pessimistic because 2008 happened. Like that's right, right. like that yeah. happened. Like that's not like that's not something just to like paper over. Very uh, true. Alrighty. Let's talk fun things. 
<laughs> Let's talk fun things. Uh, do you want to? Um, do you want to go uh, throw away the rest of our news and just go right into what our main uh, podcast was going to be about? Or sure. Do you, or do you want to talk? Or do you want to talk about the Disney Wish? Uh, the, the wish is cool. <laughs> it's, it's, have you done cruises before? Have you cruised? I have done two Disney cruises, and that is it. And let me stipulate. Mm-hmm. Both times have been with cast members, so they were on like super big discounts. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah, the... I'm not sure I would have ever <laughs> have spent the money on a Disney cruise. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I love Disney cruises. Um, I've been on the Magic and the what's the other baby one, Wonder, the Magic and the Wonder, um, mm-hmm. and absolutely loved them. They were both. I did the Magic before it was reimagined, and then I did the Wonder right after it was reimagined. Mm-hmm. And incredible cruise ships. I loved them. I went with a big group of friends, and the first one I did was a four night, and then we did it like a full blown week, like a seven day one. And they are genuinely incredible. And I haven't been on the big ships yet, but I can only imagine like how much more bombastic they are. Uh, the wish is very exciting. I was um, watching the live event, which was a bit awkward, but mm-hmm. <laughs> shy of production value awkwardness. It's a beautiful ship. I, I mean, I, have, I don't really have any qualms about anything that they're doing. I think they're trying some really funky, weird things like in terms of dinner shows uh, for like Frozen and then Avengers. All of it looks really cool. My only personal uh, red flag is, man, I just don't know I'll ever afford it. <laughs> I got to get some promotions at work or something because even just <clears throat> the <throat> lobby itself, they show this big lobby and it's gorgeous. And then I just go, oh, my God, I cannot fathom how much money this cruise is going to cost if the fantasy right now costs X dollars. Like it makes me nervous, but it is a beautiful ship. The question mm-hmm. is, are you going to go opening weekend in that big two-story uh, veranda? If Len pays for it. <laughs> Very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can just say that we're going to review it for Len and say, you know, free touring plans, blog posts. We'll, we'll do all the blog posts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Uh, so let's talk Velocicoaster. Oh, buddy. So, uh, I, I, so I guess... Uh, Best way to start this off, they did uh, annual pass holder and team member previews for the Velocicoaster this past weekend and into the week, and you were one of the lucky few to get a snag an appointment and ride. So, Danny, t- walk us through uh, this experience and and and, and, th- and this first uh, major coaster that you've been on, I would argue. Um, lucky is a term that I don't think I would have used on Sunday morning. I, I think. Oh. I think very scared and upset at everything in the world is probably how I would describe my Sunday morning. <laughs> but like you said, I have not really been on many major um, uh, thrill coasters before. I mean, I've done the Hulk. I've done Dueling Dragons. Like, I I have been on coasters before, like inverted coasters, etc. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, no way. I would. You could not get me on. I didn't go on an inverted coaster until i was 18 um and even then i was still a bit of a baby about it so to say that i've now graduated at 31 i I think i'm in a better place but i still don't love the feeling the big thing for me is drops i love speed i love inversions i love all sorts of different like twisties and whatever but if i if i see a big drop i get pretty antsy about whether or not i want to do it in fact even to this day Mm -hmm. as much as i love riding the hulk coaster even still, 
I could go on it right now and right before board, my hands start getting sweaty. I start freaking out and questioning, do I really care to do this? I've done it a million times. But then I also realize, well, I've done it a million times. Just do it already. <laughs> so for the past year, couple of years, me and my fiance have been watching the construction of Velocicoaster. We go to Universal pretty regularly and we love Jurassic Park. So we're like, oh, man, it's going to be so cool. Look at how cool it looks like on the, the lagoon. It's making such a cool skyline at Islands of Adventure. We're so, so excited. And then I would say today's what Monday. We went on Sunday. I would say like Thursday. I was going to bed and I was like, oh, shit, I have to go ride this thing. I've been I've been saying I'm hyped <laughs> for years, but now I actually have to go do it. Now, now it's no longer a year ago. It was like, oh, eventually I'll ride it. Of course I will. Who am I? But then once it started getting real, I was like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, I guess I'm going to do it. And the worst, <laughs> there was no getting out of it because I had spent so much time hyping it up with Caitlin, my fiance, and then all of our vaccinated friends, like our little circle of friends, all got reservations for the annual pass holder preview as well. So I was like, I'm going to be with all of them and they're not going to let me out of it either. And I'll never hear the end of this. So I guess I just got to buck up and do it. Um, it was interesting. I guess first I can share the pre-park experience. Our reservations were at 930 and initially I was like, let's get there at nine. That's fine, right? Like let's just <laughs> oh, yeah. stroll up. I mean, what, what's going to happen? It's 9 a.m. on a Sunday. And Caitlin, she's like, my anxiety is not going to allow that. I am wondering what if there's traffic? What if there's bad parking? What if there's a line? And I'm like, that's ridiculous. None of that will happen. And of course, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say there was no traffic like outside of like parking garage traffic. But man, we walked down into the garage, like back to the moving walkway area, and it was a zoo. Like, mm -hmm. thank God we're all vaccinated, at least in my circle that I went with, because I looked around and I went, do you guys remember social distancing? What the hell was that? Because it was out the window. Like, the parking garage and security was a sardine can. Now, again, we're all outdoors. We've now seen science that shows being outdoors is really relatively safe um but there was still that lingering covid anxiety of like woof i'm not sure that they exactly knew how <laughs> busy of a day it was going to be mm -hmm. um i later come to find out that it was also a cheer competition happening at islands that day so it's not even just cheer competition at universal next door it is also cheer competition happening in the same park um so Needless to say, it was extremely busy. <clears throat> but mm -hmm. um, what are, I guess I can just go through the queue. Like, what do you want to hear about? Do you want to want me to jump to the ride or what? Yeah, let's go through the go through the queue. Like your impressions of um, the uh, the water, the uh, lagoon front queue ride, just basically everything. Yeah. So the waterfront view is <laughs> it is wild because. I mean, we all knew we saw the construction photos and we knew that it'd be right on the water. Man, that coaster zooms by the queue. Now, granted, I don't know what opening day is going to be like. I would love to see how they do switchbacks like for the queue and how far it's going to extend out into the um, promenade area out mm -hmm. there. But we ended up getting extended when we were walking in. They were like, oh, the line's getting long. Let's extend it back down the lagoon area. And it it's long. It'll go all the way down to almost like the. Um, new bridge walkway that they created and then it loops back but the coaster 
it feels as though you could, while in line, extend your arm out and then high five someone as they're zooming by you. It, mm-hmm. it, it comes really, really close to the queue. And that was incredible. So we're just standing there and, you know, you would hear people scream as they zoom by you. Um, mm-hmm. Another cool thing about the queue. There is an area before you get to the air conditioning and the fans and everything. There is a little covered area and it's just, you know, industrial metal like over your head and whatever but if you look up you are right underneath the top hat so like the the giant drop as the coaster goes down face first it's like it's going face first into the queue which you wouldn't be able to tell on the ride itself but when you're in the queue you look up and they just keep like it's like they're shooting straight to your face so that was really really um now in sober mind i say cool in that moment i was very scared (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it was a really cool vibe just to have, um, that close proximity to the coaster. They're certainly not trying to hide any part of this. (laughs) Um, as far as theming goes, I'll be honest, they, and I'm not even sure this is the wrong move. This is probably the right move to take. There's not a lot going on in terms of story. And this is what I was wondering beforehand. I was like, what are they going to, what's the quote unquote excuse for having, a coaster track within Jurassic world. Like, is there a a huge intricate story? Not really. It is. They want to do it. (laughs) They want to do it. Right. And I ended up realizing in the moment I thought back to Jurassic world and there's this line early on in the movie where, um, Claire says something like, Oh, our guests always want the highest thrills. And like, it's some comment about how they always want bigger and badder and sharper teeth and sharper claws Mm -hmm. and whatever. And then I realized, yeah, this is a theme park. Jurassic World in and of itself is a theme park. So who cares? <laughs> like, I don't need it to be explained that the raptors are like, I'm riding a raptor or something. It is a theme park and theme parks have roller coasters. So fine. Um, so let's see. There's I'm sure people have seen photos at this point and maybe you can put them in the show notes. But there is uh, that really cool three or oh no four. um velociraptor statue mm-hmm. right below the velocicoaster uh sign again they're not hiding it the sign velocicoaster is everywhere <laughs> they're very excited about um the entire attraction and spoilers so if you really if you're listening i'm assuming you don't care about spoilers but like spoiler warning i guess because i freaked out when i saw this mr dna has been revived from jurassic park and he is here and he is glorious love that so so much i know that that's like quote-unquote cheap fan service but like look it's a theme park of course it's gonna be i mm-hmm. ate it up and it's so charming i don't think it's the original voice actor i because i don't know who did that voice acting back in 94 let's say yeah uh, <clears throat> but uh he the person that did it did a great job very convincing and um that was a nice little homage which the queue is also full of there is a little room that you go through where there's like a it's like a locker room, but the lockers are just like chain link, so you can see right into them. And Ian Malcolm has a locker. Um, I think Alan Grant has a locker. I was still in a fugue state at this point, trying to freak out. So Caitlin's like, look how cool this is. You're going to love this. And she's pointing it out to me. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I might not have soaked in as much as I should have, but I know that my entire group of friends was looking at that and very, very excited. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, oh, there is a really cool little moment and 
I'm sure that once the line doesn't move as fast as it did during previews, this will make more sense. But there is a room where you kind of look, you don't know what you're looking at. It's just, Mm -hmm. I guess, five panels of glass that are transparent, but on the opposite side is gray, like a gray wall. So you look at it and you go, what the heck even is this? And if you stand there long enough, probably a minute or two, you'll actually see the coaster fly by you. That's like the big launch moment right before the top hat. Mm -hmm. Um, The weird part was the line was moving so quickly. We didn't actually see that happen because we were just zooming through that, uh, that room. Again, I'm sure that once the attractions actually open and the line's very long and whatever, people will spend more time in that room. Um, But it's really cool because you'll see the coaster zoom by and then they do some, I guess, projection mapping or just projection period onto the windows to make it look as though raptors are chasing uh, the coaster that just ran. And it it really is. I waited. I waited back while my group went up just to see what it looked like. And it's it's pretty dope. Awesome. Have you seen that on, on Twitter? Yeah, I've seen the video um, for some of the YouTube stuff. Okay. So I was also doing some research. Mis- the original voice actor, Mr. DNA, uh, died in 2008. Oh, no. Um, um, well, I just, we'll just leave it at that. It's not a great story. But um, but anyway, the uh, replacement actor for him is uh, Jeff Bergman. Um, and he was... Derek uh, Bergen? No, Bergman. <laughs> this is different. Um <clears throat> He's uh he he does a lot of the Looney Tunes Hanna and Barbera characters uh, replacements. Oh, so like yeah, he, that tracks. <clears throat> yeah, so he does. He's done a lot of um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to look here. Yeah, Batman, The Jetsons, uh, Tom and Jerry, television. Let's see what else I got for television. Yeah, oh, you know stuff like that. So he yeah. he's a he's a prolific voice actor, seasoned. <clears throat> let's say yes. Okay, that's great, though. I mean, again, he did a great job, and I loved... At first, I didn't even clock it, just because I was so, like, excited about seeing Mr. DNA, where mm-hmm. I went, oh, easy. Yeah, he does the new Mr. DNA in the Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous cartoon. Oh, so I, I could okay. see them I could see them pulling him for that. Perfect. <clears throat> um, What am I missing here? Oh, the, the, the big... Honestly, the biggest moment of the uh, queue, in my opinion is the Raptor animatronic, mm-hmm. which it's so funny. I think so often with animatronics, so many people expect to see lifelike fluid movement of limbs, like you referenced the shaman in Pandora earlier. Mm-hmm. And that's the big selling point there is like, wow, look at how she's moving and it's so fluid and it's not jerky at all. The uh, The animatronics that are um, in the queue don't really move like that at all. But again, thematically, it makes sense because... If you haven't seen the movies, there are these like little cages that they'll put their raptors in for containment or transport or whatever. And they're they're muzzles like the raptors snout gets put in. and There's a metal muzzle that goes over it so that it mm-hmm. doesn't move. And what a clever way of doing an animatronic because you don't really have to move it. <laughs> I could imagine that to a certain extent, they didn't have to worry about actually moving much outside of the cage and the um, uh the muzzle itself Mm -hmm. but if you pause and you look at the animatronic that's when it gets impressive because the way it moves its eyes the way it blinks the way that the um muscles underneath the its skin breathe in and out like on first glance you would be like oh they're just shaking a little you know statue of a raptor but if you pause and actually look at it it is 
really, really impressive. And people were getting scared, like <laughs> because it'll it'll stand there and it will just like breathe and be calm and then be calm and then like and like start to move around and whatever and like try to escape. And people were fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone in front of us stopped. We stopped. I watched the people behind us stop. It was. It is definitely a highlight of the queue. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the like um, any layouts of what the locker system is like? I've seen, yeah, I've seen it all. <laughs> just yeah, I've seen it all. <laughs> I figured. I just I've, se- I've seen I've seen blueprints, so I know exactly how it's all laid out. The locker system mm-hmm. was honestly infuriating because I thought to myself, why has it taken us this long? <laughs> to come well I, I mean the reason for that is they didn't start doing the mandatory locker stuff until at, until like at, in the i think it was like 2014 2015 they started doing it because that was what dueling dragons right yeah because yeah they had some of the incidents that with that so they had to do um they instituted a, a locker policy for those three rides and then when they redid Hulk, they didn't redo it with a new locker system because they already had it. So they just kind yeah. of kept what they had. So this is like the first true new installation with a mandatory locker, um, lockers. So they've done this instead. From a quality of life perspective, like, God, please go back and redo them. I get that Hagrid's might be hard because I guess they don't have a lot of space. Well, it's also not mandatory. There. It's not mandatory oh. lockers. It's just for bags. This is mandatory for everything. Oh, uh, that's a good point. And I mean, Hulk is mandatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, maybe they should redo Hulk. But like, I want them to redo more of them because it is such a good system. For those of you at home that don't know, basically, you walk up and there's this whole spiel that's going on that's saying, you know, remember, this is what I love too. For accessibility purposes, I'm assuming mm-hmm. they give you, I think, three different ways to remember your locker. There is either a number or that number can correspond with a color. And that color also corresponds with a type of dinosaur. Mm-hmm. So you can remember any of them. So if you're colorblind, fine. Don't worry about the color. Remember the number. Like, I'm assuming that's why they did that rather than just saying, you know, remember X, Y, or Z. Um, but I thought that was very creative and a good solution there. But what it does is same thing as any other locker. You scan your ticket or your annual pass. It opens up a, a door. But it's so, so clever that you will never see that side of the locker ever again. You scan, you put your bag in, you go up the stairs, you go ride the ride. On the exit, you show up on the opposite side of the locker. And man, it's seamless. Again, it was low capacity because it was an annual pass holder preview, but it it was like butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I didn't even think about it again because I was so scared. I just handed Caitlin my stuff and then she took care of it. And it was done in like, 30 seconds it was so so fast compare that to say for example um the claustrophobia that is forbidden journey at hogwarts like that is yeah or gringotts now i think gringotts is is, i think gringotts is the new gold standard for claustrophobic lockers setups (laughs) because they they fixed they fixed a forbidden journey oh you're right they Mm -hmm. did add new ones Mm -hmm. so like they fixed that um all the you know the hagrid is is split uh, they fixed mummy. So oh, it, I didn't, how'd they fix mummy? Was oh, it? 
that that used to be outside on the right. Oh, so they. Oh, I do remember that. I forgot. So then oh my they God, that was forever ago. Yeah, and then they they put it where and the, and the entrance used to be on the left. So they put it where the yes. entrance was, and then they put the entrance where it where it should be in the middle. So, <laughs> well, I, this is now the new gold standard in locker yeah. technology. So what what I or so next time you ride, if you ride, you should ride again. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I'm trying to get video, uh, photos for it. But also in the lockers, when you put your stuff in, so it's almost shaped, it's shaped like a U. So on the outside of the U is for guests putting their stuff in lockers. And then the inside of the U is for when guests are put, are taking stuff out of the lockers. And when you're putting stuff in the lockers, they actually installed sinks. For dumping out Coke Freestyle uh, yes. mugs, mm-hmm. which is brilliant because there are so many trash cans full of liquids <laughs> that <laughs> that just are totally a mess and it's disgusting. So, yeah, good, good, As good someone on them. Who was um, a custodial cast member at Disney way back when. Yeah, uh, I greatly appreciate that because that was one of the biggest problems was taking a trash can or a trash bag full of beer and soda and water and stuff nightmare yeah um but yeah so five stars for the locker system i loved every little bit of it Mm -hmm. um so then there i guess you can call it a pre-show there you go up some stairs and then there is a giant video wall that is um kind of in i think what they were trying to do is simulate the there's a scene or I guess a location in the movies where they kind of like look down into the um, Indominus Rex paddock, I mm-hmm. think is what it's called. So they they stand in this big room with like glass uh, windows that look down into the paddock. Yeah. So the video perspective is like taking place from there as though you're in the paddock. Um, I saw some really good pictures on Twitter that I'll try to find that point out that when you're in the coaster, you're basically in the paddock. And if mm-hmm. you look up, they reflect the same place that you were allegedly supposed to be in the queue. I'm not sure if it completely lines up that way, but it looks like that. And it's a, it's a really nice little detail, but the pre-show video has Chris Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, this is where things get a little muddy for me again, story-wise. I don't care too much because whatever, it's just a roller coaster that you're going to go have fun with. But the whole story is that yes, you're on a thrill ride, but then Chris Pratt's character, Owen, is like, no, this is a bad idea. You don't understand. And then there are, like, some raptor wranglers that, like, shock one of the raptors. And the raptor gets all crazy and mad and stuff. And he's like, you don't understand. Like, I'm telling you, this is really bad. These raptors are wild animals. Something will go wrong. And I just never saw anything go wrong. Nothing goes wrong. (laughs) Nothing goes wrong. It seems like it was a perfect ride, especially because unlike, say, a um, trying to think of a Oh, okay. Forbidden Journey, where unload and load are in two different areas. This is more of a Gringotts, where your load and unload are like you see people get out of the seat that you're about to sit in. So it's not like, oh no, those people were dead. (laughs) (laughs) Where did row four go? Oh no. (laughs) Um, So there's none of that. But yeah, there's a nice little pre-show video. I would be upset if it wasn't there. I, I, it's not like I've got a problem with it. It was just a funny little thing where I went, ooh, what's going to go wrong? Turns out, nothing. Everything. You got thrilled just like they wanted you to. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I guess I have to talk about the coaster. Uh, <laughs> or I get to. I will say this. If I were to sum up my review 
as a scared little person that wishes he liked roller coasters like this more. I loved 85% of this coaster, like top to bottom of 85% of it. Just incredible, super smooth, so much fun. I just hated the top hat and not because it was bad. It was just, again, I hate that sensation of falling so much that I couldn't even pull myself to be happy in that moment. Mm -hmm. But everything else surrounding the top hat was a blast. Um, it's really broken up into two halves. There's the paddock in the beginning and then the, you know, finale moment following the top hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you get launched out from the little, you know, raptor, I guess, containment unit as they're like screaming and like shaking the cages and whatever. And then you get launched out and it does this funny thing where as soon as you get launched out, you go straight up, which slows you down. Compare that to say, I don't know, like Hagrid's or Hulk, where like your speed never stops. The moment you hit go, you're just like a bat out of hell. This you speed up and then and you kind of go weightless for a moment and kind of stop. And I just found that so I don't want to say off putting, just surprising in the moment. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like buckling up. I'm ready to get, you know, just speed, speed, speed. And don't get me wrong. It is fast, but you do kind of take a quick breather before you uh, before gravity takes you throughout the rest. Mm-hmm. nice um yeah so the first half is lots of i you probably know the technical terminology mm-hmm. way better than i do like what what was the first half <laughs> so it's like a spaghetti bowl is kind of one of the terms they use for it so it's just a lot of intertwined track with a lot of maneuvers and um it's not necessarily high speed it's more very fast for the kind of um you know the turns and the length of the train that there is the best mm-hmm. way to put it and all that speed is um definitely heightened because of all the head choppers and near misses and going through rock work and such that they have going on yeah and there is definitely a lot of that they even put like raptors which they, they're not animatronics they're just statues but still you move so quick through such a small amount of space that it's almost like a like a jump scare <laughs> like it's, where it's you just zoom around a corner and it's kind of like the yeti things. you know you don't notice that it's moving because yes. you're going by so quick <laughs> that kind of yeah. thing totally it you don't really by the time you could even process what did i just see you're already you know <laughs> tens <laughs> to hundreds of feet mm-hmm. away from that um something that i think that i appreciate as someone that doesn't again like the top hat i watched so many on ride like computer renderings of what the track was so i knew what was coming but caitlin on the other hand was like i don't want to know a damn thing about this ride (laughs) put my butt in the seat and let's go so Mm -hmm. i knew that the launch moment was not a you know pause and wait and like count down until you go and i kind of appreciate that it wasn't you kind of just make some quick little zigzags you hit the speed pad and then just keep going a lot like hagrid's how like there's never a moment where you're waiting to launch out of Hagrid, shy of one moment. Um, instead, as soon as you hit that speed pad, you're just zooming. And man, that launch has some <laughs> has got some kick to it. Mm-hmm. If it had not been then shooting up a you know 150 foot tall top hat, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. <laughs> but for those that like that, I think you're gonna have a blast. It was, it's got some oomph. Mm-hmm. How'd you like the uh, the um, Heartline roll over the water? That was my favorite freaking part, (laughs) which is kind of crazy because I know that so many people have talked about like Caitlin even. So Caitlin said that 
when she was writing, what she hates so much about some of the coasters that we go on is that they're overhead restraints, and she mm-hmm. wants to throw her hands up. Me, on the other hand, I like to squeeze my <laughs> overhead restraints. So she always complains because she's like, my arms hurt because I want to keep my arms up, but obviously it, it's holding you in. Mm-hmm. So the whole ride, she was having her arms up from like the get-go, from dispatch, bam, arms up. Until that heartline roll when she freaked out. <laughs> I heard her scream. She screams, shit. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, sh- we had seen that moment before. Like, we when the, the bridge, the walkway bridge opened, we went to go check it out and, like, take pictures and whatever. So we saw the moment and we saw a car go over and we saw the little spin that it does, the little uh, corkscrew. And so we knew what was coming and i was like okay this is the moment i did my two little loops around all right we did our upside down like little hang time thing okay great and i now know that this is when it's oh my god <laughs> like mm-hmm. even though you know it's coming it still hits you like a sack of hammers i loved it though it is i think another part that sells it is you feel as though you are five feet above the water i think you're probably more like 20 feet above the water <laughs> But yeah. you are really close. So, I mean, they're using the, the same principle of, you know, the head shopper where you can put your arms up and you still got like four feet of clearance. But because you're, you're not perceiving that, you know, you're, you're moving so quickly and it seems so small or far, you know, or so close that you're not it, your brain's not registering it. So it seems like you're it feels like if you put your hands out, you can like skim the water. Yes. You know, like mm-hmm. a, like a hippogriff flying, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's got a um I think that's what I love so much about it. I normally don't like the sensation of weightlessness, but I, I think I associate weightlessness so much with falling, whereas this didn't the entire attraction outside again, outside of the top hat didn't really have that feeling. It was just I felt like I was flying. It was just very thrilling but exciting. Whereas the top hat was, no, no, no. It was supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. make you <laughs> swallow your own stomach or something. Like yeah, it's it's an iconic moment. You know, it's, it's you know, it's it's a great way to get to turn around, but also, you know, still keep that speed. And, you know, it, it it's it's a it's a fan favorite. Like people like top hats, period. Yeah. Like there's a reason why they're in a bunch of rides. <laughs> No, I totally get it. I, I can see the appeal for those because, I mean, Caitlin, spoiler alert, she said that this is literally her favorite roller coaster she's ever been on. Oh, nice. And she she grew up as a coaster junkie. Like, she's mm-hmm. from Florida, so she went to Busch Gardens growing up and Universal and whatever. So, like, she has been on her fair share. She has not been to Cedar Point. I know that is something <laughs> that we will work on. Yes, work on that. <laughs> um, But she said that it was her favorite coaster ever. And partially because of all of those thrills, including the top hat. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So but yeah, I, it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I was just going to ask if there's any uh, last thoughts on Velocicoaster that you have just to close up our episode. Um, If you have even a passing interest in coasters like this or Jurassic Park. And you know what? I'll also speak to because I know that you've got like a lot of coaster enthusiasts that listen to this show that are probably well beyond my years in terms of experience Mm -hmm. so i won't speak to them because i can't but i do know that there's lots of people that are uh maybe just disney fans or maybe casual universal fans and might not be into like big coasters look don't get me wrong i was scared the entire time you can ask any of my friends that were with us like i was a mess and probably a bit much to deal with but 
by the time we were like going through that heartline role and like going through those last little bits, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I did this. This was a blast. And I look back on it and really enjoyed it. I think it's going to take a couple of shots for me to get on it again. <laughs> I might need to be in a I right mean, state of mind. To yeah, do I mean, it just again. fire whiskey with some strongbow in, in strongbow. That's how you do it. Right. I'll, I'll do a counterclockwise uh, path through islands and just stop by Hogshead first. <laughs> exactly. It's on the um, way. But I say all of that just to say that if you are kind of like getting some FOMO and you're like, oh, these people are talking about it on Twitter. Like, I really want to check it out, but I'm scared. Look, I'm going to be real with you. You will be scared. But <laughs> I almost liken it to Horror Nights where, yeah, you're going to get scared, but that's half the fun of it. There's, you know, theming and there's a fun co-star on the front end and back end and whatever. But maybe just just give it a shot because mm -hmm. I might not be doing it every time I go to Islands, but it was definitely really, really impressive. And the final thing I'll say is Disney. Man, I love you guys. Your podcast is my podcast is named after Disney, more or less. Man, you guys got to step it up. <laughs> it is bananas that this attraction was built, developed like crafted three years ish and meanwhile disney has two clones and that they aren't even done with yet that have been being built for four years like mm -hmm. i know disney's got it in them just god it is wild to me how hungry universal is universal is like just you could tell with every new thing with hagrid with this and if these two attractions are any indication about what epic universe is going to be woof <laughs> like mm -hmm. they are firing on all cylinders yeah it's it's it, everything looks impressive um I'm, I'm excited to ride it i'm probably not gonna get down until september for horror nights this year um, hell yeah but everything i mean everything looks great i'm super excited for it and it, it seems like they got a hit in the hands um uh friend of the show uh legend from in the loop he's been on almost 700 coasters and he says this one's definitely in the uh back part of his top 10 that he's been on. oh wow so i mean that's that's saying something that's a good batting average <laughs> yeah i mean you've, you've been on so many um you know you've been on so many rides and like you can still get surprised or have um you know you're so into it you know so i don't know how else to put it you know it's, it's such it you're you think you've seen it all and then you get on something new that really changes and surprises you it's always a good feeling. And, you know, I, for a while as, uh, you know, Orlando theme park fan, so frequently I would feel frustrated when people would be like, oh, well, if you're if you're an adult, you go to Universal like I don't go to Disney World. Though, so that's just for babies. Like it's the coaster capital everywhere. And I would look around and go, they've got the Hulk and the mummy, which is no hate on the mummy but it is not a thrilling coaster they've got the hulk and dueling dragons i mm -hmm. remember back in that day being like they've got two coasters i mean i don't really know what everyone's talking about in that regard as much as i love universal whereas now oh yeah <laughs> like the the title is i could see an argument for being well earned because i haven't been to sea world in a little while but like man this is a huge addition to the property for mm -hmm. uh coaster fans Mm -hmm, definitely and i mean SeaWorld still has got uh icebreaker coming oh icebreaker yeah 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 so that's that's gonna be a fun little addition all righty danny where can uh let, let's tie up the show tonight uh let's where can people find you at 
Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, mostly Twitter. <laughs> um, but it is at Average Disnerd on both of those. Um, mm-hmm. And come hang out with me there. Hear my random park movie thoughts, etc. Um, nerd thoughts in general. I do have a podcast. You know, we've done this for an hour and a half now-ish. And maybe this is it. This is the sign that I'm going to start recording again. So mm-hmm. go subscribe. Go try to uh, find some. Go back into the backlogs because there's some good episodes. You've been on the show before. In fact, mm-hmm. the first time I think you were on my show, you were telling me about Velocicoaster before we knew the name. And I was like, a top hat? Whoa. Yeah, well, lots of that. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, go back. Listen to some old episodes. Hopefully I'll have a new one out soon. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, you can find us at Parkscope and me at Parkscope Joe. You can find us at Parkscope.net also. Go subscribe, leave us a good review, blah, blah, blah. You get the general gist of things. You know how it goes nowadays. Uh, I don't think we're to be a part of that <laughs> Apple paid podcast thing. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, you don't have to say anything. But <laughs> I'm just speaking in generals. Anyway, uh, yeah. everyone, have a good night. Have a good day. I, I don't know. It's almost like 10 o'clock here, so who knows what's going on on your end of things. But uh, have a good one. We'll see you in the next episode.